the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today is the fifth Sunday of the month of Tuba, and typically the reading of the fifth Sunday is the the reading of or the gospel of the feeding of the multitude. Uh, but recently, yeah, the Synod made a small change to the reading. So today, actually, we read the reading of the first Sunday of Amshir because um, the second gospel, the second Sunday of Amshir is actually the reading of the five loaves. So instead of every week, and I thank God, and I don't have to prepare the same sermon every... So they switched it, Kida. So now we're reading the first Sunday of Amshir, and then, uh, and then things will be adjusted accordingly. But the theme of the month of Amshir is the Lord's table, eating at the Lord's table eating at the Lord's table, all the readings are focused on the Lord Jesus Christ being the bread of life, being the bread of life. And so you see, like, we're, all the Gospels, the first three weeks of Amshir are from John chapter 6, and the last week is from uh, the Lord visiting Zacchaeus and having dinner at his house. And I think the, the reading of the Gospel today, it's relatively short, it's only six verses long, and I want to focus on the last uh, verse, which said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. The first part of this verse asks a very important question. And that question is, why are you following? Why are you following the Lord Jesus Christ? Why are you following the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it because you were born into this church? Is it because your parents are forcing you? Is it because you get nice cozy feelings when you come to, to the church? The people in the gospel of today, they followed the Lord Jesus Christ because they wanted another free meal. Another free meal. They didn't follow him because of his teachings, or they didn't follow him because of his amazing wonders. They just wanted, they tasted the five loaves and the two fish, and they were like, hmm, stomach does, it's good, it's tasty. Like, you know, the manna, the manna from heaven, it tasted good, it tasted like honey in the mouth. So I imagine the five loaves and two fish was like a good, like, the best food. And like, the Lord Jesus Christ is not going to present something that doesn't taste good. And so they must have tasted its food there and said, Ooh, we like this restaurant. I think we want to go get at and eat at this restaurant again. And so the Lord, they thought of Jesus as like a restaurant, like an open buffet, where they could eat as much as they could, because they ate as much as they could. And they said 12 baskets were taken up by them. And the best part of this meal, it was free. It was a free meal. So this reminded me of someone else in the scripture by the name of Simon the Sorcerer. Simon the Sorcerer, he became a Christian, but he became a Christian for the wrong reasons. In Acts chapter 8, we read that Simon, he had quite the reputation. And all the people of the region, they regarded Simon. They said about him, wow, this man is a powerful man. He must be a man of God. But, and, but then when he saw Philip preaching in that area and Philip doing even like amazing, more amazing signs, he said, ooh, this is a business opportunity. I, mean, I want to be Christian. And so he became baptized. And then they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. So he saw Peter and James, the second sacrament, the sacrament of chrismation. So he saw Peter and John putting the hands 
and said, how much can I pay for this, for this, this, this wonderful thing that you guys are doing? This power, I want this power. Actually, this is the sin called simony, after Simon the sorcerer, to pay for the priesthood. It's like a, the terrible crime. And St. Peter, he calls them out. He says, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore from this wickedness and pray to God if, he per- if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned and by, by bitterness and bound by iniquity. And actually, I love the response of Simon, because Simon actually repents. He says, pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. He took the rebuke, and he offered like repentance. But initially, Simon, the point of the story was, initially, Simon was focused on the product, and not the person. And not the person. And I think the Lord uses the product to lead to the person. Yani, like when he met the Samaritan woman, he talked to her about water. And he used water to talk about living water. And the living water is himself. So he was using water to get them to see the living water, that he is the living water. He used bread when he fed the multitude bread. He used bread to say, I am the bread of life. So he used these materials, the product, to point to himself. And I feel like sometimes, sometimes we pray for the product, but we don't pray for the person. We might pray for healing, or we might pray for a lot of things, but do we want the Lord Himself, or do we just want the, the goodies from the Lord? I think another lesson that we can learn from this story is that it's possible to seek the Lord and to believe in His power, but to be totally worldly-minded, like to be thinking about the world, like Simon. Yani, we could be very good, church-going people. We can sing all the hymns, believe all the right things, yet be worldly people. And this is so problematic. So problematic. Because the church is supposed to be heavenly. It's supposed to be, yani, Father Evan, he called it a life-saving station. And... If the life-saving station ceases to be a life-saving station, and then it turns into an ethnic social club, that would be a disaster. That would be a disaster. And the church cannot be full of earthly people. It should be full of heavenly people. In the Pauline epistle of today, St. Paul, he makes this point very clear. He says, but now I have written to you not to keep, Yanni, this sounds very strict, and, and if we said this these days, you'd be like, ah, why? He says, now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother, anyone who is named a Christian, who is sexually immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Because it was so important that the church stays holy, that the church stays different. If the church looks like the world, then what's the point of the church? You have like a uh, Toyota Camry and they put the Mercedes emblem on it. Tabda Mercedes? It's not a Mercedes. That's Toyota. So like into Christians, then you can't just put the Christian emblem on you and say, I'm Christian. Winter Gowak is a Toyota Corolla. I love Toyota or Hyundai or whatever. It doesn't matter. That's you have the Christian has to be Christian. It's not just so. Saint Paul was defending this idea 
That you can't mix the world and you see people from the world and the people of the world, you look at a Christian and you look at the people from the world, they dress the same way, they speak the same things, they watch the same things, they do the same things, they go to the same places, they do... So what's the point of being a Christian? Christians have to be different. They have to be out, different. And that's why St. Paul was very strict on this idea. There is... Like, uh, there was a, a, a governor, his name was Pliny. He, he lived in the 2nd century, second, early 2nd century, like 111 Hagakeda. And he wrote to Emperor Trajan. He wrote to the emperor, and he wrote how he tortured Christians and martyred Christians. And in one of the parts of the letter, he describes Christian practices. And I love this part. He says that the Christians, they meet on a fixed day before dawn. So the Christians, they come early. They come early. And they sing responsibly. And I'm very happy the deacons, we have a good chorus today. Singing responsibly. This is how Christians were in the early centuries. Singing together. And then he says... And to bind themselves with an oath every time they would come together to meet. It says the Christians used to bind together with an oath. And the oath was that they would not do crime, that they would not commit fraud or theft or adultery or falsify trust or refuse to return trust when called upon to do so. And they were making oaths that they would be very like oath of morality, like oath, kidda, before God, we will be Christian. You see what I'm saying? Every one of today, we make an oath of this, that we leave different. We leave different. Not just with kalam and stuff, that we true Christians. And that's why St. Paul, again, in his epistle, he says, it's already so bad that you guys are brothers and you guys fight against each other. And you take each other to court and you do all of these. Shame on you. Shame on you that Christians act like this and do the things like this. Shame on you. And then he says, you know, the famous neither idolaters, fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, no one of these groups, no one, kidda, will inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, such were some of you, but such may be in the past or whatever, such were some of you, but you were washed. But you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord. So no longer can we live kida. Christians, they have to be, like, different, yeah? This leads us to the second part. They believe, the Christians, they have to believe in the Son of God, that He is the bread of life. And this leads us to the second part of the verse, which said, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. From these words of the Lord, we see there's two types of food. Two types of food. There is food that perishes and food which endures. And the prophet Isaiah, he asks a very important question. He says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for what, that, for what does not satisfy? And this is the irony of the world. This is the trap of the world. This is the snare of the world. The world is telling us we need more. We need more things to be happy. We need more money. We need nicer cars. We need a higher paying job. And all of these things are great. I was telling at the funeral, I wish I had all of these things. I wish I had a nicer car, a nicer, a higher paying job, a better... No, I'm just... Yanni, I wish we had all of these things. But that shouldn't be our focus. 
That can't be our focus. Our focus should be on the Lord Jesus Christ. King Solomon, he devoted his life to materialism and chasing the food which perishes. And I want to read you what King Solomon, he discovered. He said, I accomplished great things. I built myself houses and I planted vineyards. I planted gardens and orchards and all kinds of fruits. I had everything. I dug palms. I bought many slaves. They were slaves born in my I owned more livestock than anyone. <laughs> I piled up silver and gold from the royal treasuries of the lands I ruled. Men and women sang to entertain me. I had all the women a man could want. Yes, I was great, greater than any, anyone else who had ever lived in Jerusalem. He had everything. He labored for the food which perished. And guess what he said? He said, anything I want, I got it. Just Zayana. We go on Amazon, anything you want, we get it instantly. Zayana. How is Solomon, kidda? And he, I did not deny myself of any pleasure. I did not deny myself of any pleasure. I was proud of everything I worked for, and all of this was my reward. Then I thought about dunya. <laughs> I thought about all the things that I had, and I said, I found it all useless. I found it all useless. I found it all vanity, and I was grasping for wind. There was no profit from all the things under the world. And that's why the Lord said, What does it profit a man <laughs> if you gain the whole world? And you lose your soul. What does it profit you? It won't profit you anything. Yesterday I was telling, we had a funeral, I was telling them, St. Paul, he said to the, his, his disciple Timothy, he said, we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain you leave with nothing. Certain. So it doesn't matter anything you acquire, anything, it's certain you cannot take it with you. Unfortunately, our culture, our society has formed us, has trained us. Like, and the way it is, is that we have to be constantly laboring for food that perishes. And you know, now work consumes us, and that's fine. We must work. You know, the Bible says, he who doesn't work doesn't eat. I wish, parents, you learned this concept. He who doesn't work doesn't eat. Doesn't eat. The problem is that we work now, like now maybe we've gone to the other extreme, where we work maybe too much, and we work 8 to 10 hours a day, and we do a lot of things, but then we, we work 8 to 10 hours a day, and then we pray for 8 to 10 seconds a day, <laughs> or we, we pray for 8 to 10 minutes a day, and that's not the way life is supposed to be. Or we spend 20, 30 years Preparing for a career. And we study, and we study, and we study, and we study, and we study. And that's all great. And you should study, and you should do all of those things. But we don't spend any time studying the Word of God. We don't spend any time. Why are we laboring for food that perishes? This is not the way life should be. We must admit we have become carnal people. We have become carnal people. And we are not supposed to be carnal people. We are supposed to be spiritual people. Spiritual people. Carnal people, they seek after the earthly. Spiritual people, they seek after the, the heavenly things. I want to end with a quote from the Apostolic Constitution. The Apostolic 
constitution. It has a name kida full of. It is a document from like the fourth century that is like derived from a lot of the early writings of the apostles. And one of the beautiful things that's written in the apostolic constitution, it says, "Follow therefore your trades for your maintenance, but make the worship of God your main business." As the Lord said, labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that which endures unto everlasting life. Don't the worship of God? That should be your main business. That's your main business. The labor on the side—that's your side business. And so you should de- devote your life to your main business. Your main business: hey, the worship of God, and the worship of God: hey, the liturgy. This is your main business. Everything else in life, side. This is extra. Do we have this mindset that this is our main business? That's what the gospel is trying to teach us today. Liturgy is our main business. Prayer should be our main business. That's, I love Haga. Like one thing that I like read from Saint John Cassian. I remember a long time ago. They said every day before the farmers in Egypt used to go. Like Saint John Cassian's from like the fourth, fifth century, fifth, sixth century. He would. Go, he noticed that in Egypt everybody would go to the church in the morning of the day to start their day with matins. And they would raise incense. And he noticed every day after they would come back after work for Ashaya. Every day, that was their business. That was their business. Their business was the liturgy. Their business. They would go work, and then they would come back. And they, their true business was praying. Their true business was liturgy. Ahna, we need to have this mindset. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which lasts to everlasting life. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Oh,